0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So what Stephanie talked about, I'm going to wrap up at the end of this. There was a conference by a guy named Todd White they did down at the oceanfront called, I think it was Power and Love is what it's called. That's what she was talking about. I know you picked up on that. I'm not retelling her story. But she came back so impacted and so excited um, to do what we've been doing as a church, and that is to continue going out into the community and taking the love of God to people in our community. And I got to tell you, this little prayer moment that we do, where you gather around three, four, maybe five people to pray for somebody, can I just tell you, I love doing this, and there's purpose to that, but I can tell you as well, it's on-the-job training. Because what we're doing here for each other, God's called us to do there. The purpose of prayer is not just to have us feel better, get healed in our church community. But the very purpose of prayer is what Jesus said when he said, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray that God's will is done. That's what Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. So when I pray for somebody, whether it's for healing, whether it's for breakthrough, whether it's finances, deeper revelation of the word, Whatever it is, when I'm praying for somebody, I am activating God's will for them in that moment. So when I'm praying for Rob, I am bringing heaven to earth and praying God's will for him. You ever know those prayers? God, let your I just pray your will over his life. Well, that's great, but why not find out what his will is and pray that specifically? So these little moments of doing this, I want to encourage you guys: take it outside these walls. I'll talk about it at the end. But that's why I wanted her to share that. It's because she's so full of excitement, and Ashley as well too, so full of excitement uh, to go out and just, just pray for somebody. Yeah. It's not that hard, right? It is because you've got to get over yourself, but it's not as hard as you think. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to put it up on the screen for you, and I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. I've been reading this a bit late, lately, and I, I kind of like it. We are not like Moses. Say, I'm not like Moses. Who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, in case you didn't catch that. And whatever He is Lord, there is freedom. We can all, everybody say all. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into this very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. How many want to move from one level of glory to another? How often does it feel like we're moving from one tragedy and calamity and problem to another? But the Bible says we can move from one glory to another, from glory to glory, not from glory to mediocre, to oh my goodness, to okay, and okay, an occasional peak of glory. God wants us moving from glory to glory. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Give you a little bit of background on this story. Most of you have heard the name Moses. You kind of know who Moses is. But when Paul, in writing this letter to the church in Corinth, that's why it's called 1 Corinthians, he's telling them a story that they were familiar with, but maybe everybody here isn't. And that is, Moses was called by God to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the Promised Land. On the way during this journey, there were times when God would call Moses up onto a mountaintop to talk to him. God actually spoke to Moses face to face. Now, if you or I had done that in the Old Testament, we would die. Our sin would mean that if we faced a holy God as sinful people, we would die if we saw him and spoke to him face to face. That's the old covenant. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have redemption for our sins and what the Bible calls atonement, which means we can now stand before God like Moses did then. But for this point in time, Moses is the only guy that had a hall pass to be able to meet with Jesus face to face. So he'd go up on the mountaintop and have these times with Jesus, but everybody else would have to wait at the base of the mountain. And it was there where God gave him the 10 commandments. You know, the movie, you ever seen the movie, the 10 commandments. Do you ever hear a story in the Bible, but the picture in your head is of a movie or a veggie tale story? Anybody grow up on veggie tales? I always get veggie tale stories stuck in my head. Anyway, I still picture, is it Charlton Heston? Is that who it was? on the top of the mountain during the Ten Commandments moment. Extremely biblically accurate, I'm sure. But Moses would come down from the mountain. But catch this. Moses was so in the presence of God. open. And trust me, when you get in the presence of God like that, there ain't no hiding stuff that's in your heart. God sees all. And you suddenly become aware that, oh my gosh, God sees all. So you better not come to him trying to hide stuff from him because he sees it anyway. But Moses would come down from the mountain, and after spending time in the presence of God, his face, his actual, like, literal face, would shine like a light bulb. So much so that in the nighttime, it's like, he is your flashlight. Just send him wherever he goes, and his face is shining, and it, it was so bright, it was freaking people out. That would freak me out if somebody's face just looked like a light bulb all the time, especially when there were no light bulbs at the time. So, Moses figured, I don't want to keep freaking people out. I'm having a hard time. I've brought the glory from the mountaintop to the people. But because the people are uncomfortable with the way that I look, the solution is to put a veil over my face. Because I don't want to freak people out. That was his solution. Now eventually the glory would fade away and he'd be able to lift the veil Until there was a time when he went back up to the mountaintop again. This is what I want you to see. The picture of Moses on the mountaintop is God's intention for us. Glory was always the goal that God had for us. And when God's calling Moses to this mountaintop, this is not a new experience that he's created. It's the same experience that he provided for Adam in the garden before, the sin, before sin came into the world. That what God was calling Moses to was what God had with Adam before sin came. That I would walk with you and spend time with you. That you would be in communion with me. That's what I want for you. And when you are like that, there's a part of me that just stays with you. It's my glory Somebody in our prayer meeting used the word residue. It's like a a residue, but it's, I don't like the word residue, but I get it. Because residue was like, ew, residue. But no, it's, it's like it just sticks to you. The glory of God gets sticky on you. Which is also not a really great way of thinking about it. Sticky glory. It's sticky glory. Sticky in a good way, right? But it's the stickiness. God's calling him into the same relationship he had created for Adam. Glory was the goal. There's a verse in Romans 3.23, it's a pretty famous verse, and it says, For all have sinned, if we can throw that verse up, Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So let me ask you the question. If you fall short of something, what was the goal? The thing that you fell short of. So if the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, do you understand that salvation was not the end God had in mind? When you are saved, you are saved from something, but you are saved back to glory that God had intended for you. Glory was always the goal. We have sinned and fallen short. What did we fall short of? We fell short of glory. We fall short. By the way, not fell short but fall short. You know why it's fall? Because we're continually falling short. It's like you're continually not getting there. All have sinned and we just keep falling short. But don't miss that glory was the goal. Not just salvation. The purpose of salvation was to give access back to the glory that God has intended for us. God's glory is not just for Him. He shares it with us. That means the part of the glory that was on Moses' face was meant to inhabit his whole body. And it wasn't meant to be shielded from everybody else. So Paul is writing to this church in Corinth and saying that every single time the old covenant is read. And what is the old covenant? Do good, get good. As long as you do all the right things, God will accept you. As long as you follow all the rules and the regulations, God will accept you. And he's saying every time the old covenant is read, a veil continues to cover your hearts. Because you can't get to God doing things the way you've always done. You will continually fall short of the glory of God. But glory was the goal. We were created for glory. We were made in God's image not like a duplicate where it gets worse every time you were made for glory glory so i've titled this message taken off the mask cuz really a veil a mask they're the same thing probably the first mask that we ever see let's let's talk about adam in the garden cuz by the way this idea that moses had he didn't come up with it by himself this was thought up a long time ago. Because remember, God created Adam and Eve, and he, he puts them in the garden, and he walks with them. They, are, they have the same glory that God has. He's made, they're made in his image. They share in his glory together. Whether they lit up like light bulbs, who knows? But they shared in his glory. But when sin came into the world because they were tempted by the devil, and they sinned, the first response they had was shame comes on, and Adam and Eve decide... We need to go get some fig leaves and cover up our nakedness. Isn't isn't that just like shame? What does shame get you to do? Makes you realize something that was intended for glory is now something that needs to be hidden. So they put on a mask. For them, it's fig leaves to cover their nakedness. Now, here's the funny thing. I thought about this. Can God see through a fig leaf? I mean, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, created the universe, created the fig leaf, created that Could he see through the fig leaf? Do you think he looked at that fig leaf and was like, gee, I wonder what's behind that? So who are they hiding from? They're hiding from each other. They're hiding from themselves. God always saw their nakedness. But now Adam could see it too. And what was intended for glory became an object of shame for Adam and Eve. I think the biggest problem with the masks that we put on is it we think the masks hide our weaknesses? We think the masks, that and hey, we all put on masks. I'll talk to you about my mask. We all put it on from time to time. We think it hides our weakness. We think it hides our flaws. But it hides the glory. Yeah, it, does. it hides the glory. And we were made for glory. My heart and my prayer is that we would take off the mask and stop listening to the lie that says, if people really knew what you thought about, if they really knew what's in your heart, they would run from you and you would make God look bad. You know what i realize? God's not concerned about his reputation. And sometimes when I'm thinking about I want to go out into the city and just pray for some random people. I want to walk into the hospital and pray for sick people to be healed. I want to put my hands on dead bodies and see them pop out of the coffin. But then I go, but what if they don't get healed? God's going to look like an idiot. God's like, really? Who's going to look like the idiot? Whose reputation are you worried about? He's not worried about his. But it's the mask I put on myself. And you start to ask the question, but what if it doesn't happen? And I hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit and goes, but what if it does? What if one day you do a funeral and you sneak away and you lay hands on the body? And can I tell you a secret? I've done it every funeral, and I've done a lot of funerals. What if the next one, they pop out of the coffin? Surprise! Surprise! I'm still waiting for it. I don't do it in the funeral service. I try to find a time. (laughs) But I don't want to hide the glory. I don't don't want to let my fear of me looking stupid keep a miracle from happening for that person. Do you hear me? I I don't want to worry that if I pray for somebody to be healed and they don't get healed that they'll lose their faith. I'll let God deal with that. I just want to believe God that if I can share in his glory, then I can share in his power. Amen? But the enemy, he wants us to put on a mask, and he lies to us that we'll be rejected if we take it off. And he has this constant whisper, hide your flaws, cover your weakness, look strong and you'll be strong, look the part, fit the part. I... I have a lot of friends who are in, in, in certain types of businesses where you have to appear to be successful in order to, to be successful. Like real estate, a lot of you real estate guys, you, y'all aren't like this. But I know people who are in real estate have sold one house in one year, but they drive the nicest BMW because they want to show houses in the really nice BMW to give the appearance of success. But if you sat with your client, you're like, I've only sold one house this year, but you're going to be the second. They want nothing to do with me. So I get that this is a kingdom value that doesn't always work well in the business world. So long as you understand that the business world that thinks that way is actually the one that's upside down and the kingdom is the one that's right side up. I'm not telling you to change your business or sell your BMW, drive your BMW. It's awesome, right? But I'm just telling you, don't start to apply worldly values to kingdom values. Just understand which one of those worlds is upside down. Okay? Teaching for another day. Hide your flaws. Cover your weakness. But God's glory is revealed in surrendered hearts. That's how it's revealed. When we take off the mask and allow people to see the real me, that's when his glory gets revealed. It's backwards, right? If I get mad in front of you or if I confess my anger to you or whatever it is that I'm currently dealing with, right? Well, that will make me look like less of a leader and who wants to follow somebody that has flaws? The leader is supposed to be the one that has it all together and shows me how I'm supposed to live my life, right? Well, yeah, but it's not my glory you'll see. Or maybe it is. It's it's actually his glory you won't see. But if I take off the mask and I surrender my heart to him, I know that you'll see God's glory reflected in my life. You see, Adam covered what God wanted to heal. It's a tragedy, isn't it? i picture my mom going into the ER, and she had, her face was kind of, like concrete took a good licking that day, but she broke her pinky. And I thought, what if she just had them deal with her face, but she's hiding her pinky behind her back the whole time? They're going to fix her face, but she's going to go home with a crooked finger for the rest of her life. But she walked in, and she's like, yeah, and I've got, this is my mom. Her finger is like broken, broken. She's like, oh yeah, and my finger too. (laughs) I wish I had her pain tolerance level. But do you understand this is what God wants for us? He wants us to come with a kind of surrendered hearts. It doesn't just show the little things. Yeah, here's everything in me that's broken. Because whatever we surrender to him is what actually reflects his glory back to the rest of the world. Glory is revealed in surrendered hearts. Adam covered what God wanted to heal. Here's the funny thing. Adam was always naked. Now we're talking about a physical nakedness. I'm referring to a spiritual nakedness. I'm not suggesting we all get naked and run around the church. That would be really weird. But spiritually, that's what I'm saying. Why don't we all spiritually just stop putting on masks and pretending we're something better than we are and let God see the real us and here's the harder part. Let everybody else see our surrendered heart to God. Not on display for the world to see, but what if we were so confident that if we expose our weaknesses to God, that he would heal those places in us. And rather than staying empty, because sometimes the weakness stuff, we're so familiar with it, we don't know what life would be like without it. So because of the familiarity, we keep things in our life because we know how to manage that but not realizing that what we think we're managing is actually controlling us. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? What if we actually just surrendered that thing and instead of stepping up into emptiness, when we let God deal with those places in our hearts on a consistent basis, his glory continues to fill us. You're not left an empty shell for somebody to manipulate and control. He replaces the broken places in your heart with his glory. And his glory is a whole lot stickier than the stuff that you surrendered to them. I thought about, for those of you who had kids, did your kids ever do this when they were really little? They were in diapers but they could run and they get to the beach and then they get in the water and the diaper gets super heavy and they're like, oh my gosh, what do kids do? First thing they do, whip off that diaper and they're just playing buck naked in the sand. And Can I be honest, it makes me a little uncomfortable with my kids. I was like, my kids are not gonna be the buck naked at the kids' beach. But they were anyway at certain times, and they're just, they're just so free. They don't, they don't care. They probably don't even realize they're not wearing pants. At what age did that become inappropriate for a kid where they're like, you know what, maybe I should put some shorts on. At some point, kids get to that, and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess you probably should. Now, for me to do that would be a little bit inappropriate. Yet Jesus tells us we're supposed to come to him like little children. You know the picture I get is my kids at the beach. Again, I'm talking about the physical, but Jesus is talking about the spiritual. He's saying, why don't you come to me, spiritually, naked and unafraid. Why don't you come to me and let me deal with all the stuff that's been holding you back out of this relationship with me. Because don't you know that those places where you've been hurt, don't you know those places where you have made mistakes, don't you know all of those places where you've been taken advantage of, You see, there's areas where you're a prisoner and there's areas where you're a captive. When you're a prisoner, you're suffering the result of your own sin. You put people in prison because they committed a crime. When you're a captive, it's been against your will. And in some areas, you're a prisoner. In some areas, you're a captive. Sometimes you're dealing with stuff because people did stuff to you. and Sometimes you're dealing with stuff because you just made a ton of mistakes. Don't you know that a surrendered heart yielded to God? He wants to heal all of it you know when Jesus came into towns in his ministry, the Bible says he healed everybody of everything. Isn't that amazing? That means you came to Jesus with a hangnail and he cured your cancer too. That means you came to him having gone through a divorce and he heals your broken heart and he makes your gray hairs dark again. Whatever it is that you wanted, God gave to you. Everybody just smiled then. They're like, really? That's part of the promise? (laughs) It could be. But he heals everybody of everything. But Paul is getting on the Corinthians because they're still trying to hold on to their old way of doing things. For them, it was the old covenant, following lists and rules of regulations. But you know, all of us have an old covenant in one way or another. And it's because we... We want to approach God with the way that we have always approached God. But sometimes it gets to a point where that doesn't work anymore. And I'm going to throw to you from the gospel of Dr. Phil, one of my favorite things that I've heard him say. When people start telling him all the reasons why they do stuff, you know what he says? Well, how's that working out for you? I love that phrase. How's that working out for you? Well, I got this plan. Here's how I do this. Well, how's that working out for you? Because ultimately, the fruit of decisions is what determines whether it's a good decision or not, right? Well, I know I got a drinking problem, but I always, this is the way I do it. Well, how's it working out for you? Are you still addicted? Well, I get mad sometimes, but you know what? I don't beat my wife. But I go to bed angry every night. Well, how's that working out for you? You see, we put on masks because we try to do things the way we've always done them. But the problem is we're not getting the results that we see we're supposed to get. But we keep doing it and we keep doing it and we keep doing it. And he's saying, a veil covers your hearts when you keep trying to have a relationship with God on your terms. God doesn't work that way. The relationship with him is on his terms, not mine. In other words, he wants me to turn to him with an open heart, fully surrendered to him. If I come in bits and pieces, I told you about my mom, if she comes to the doctor and she goes, you can fix my eye, but she hides her finger, she doesn't get the fullness of the healing that she's supposed to have. When we come to God and we go, hey, God, I need a job. Would you help me get this job? And God's going, yeah, but I want to touch the brokenness that happened when you were abused as a child. And you're like, I don't want that. I just need a job. If I have a job, I'll pay the bills and my wife will like me and the rest of the stuff will get fixed. And he goes, no, I want deeper. I want to heal you of everything. But it's not going to happen on your terms. And as long as you keep wanting to approach God the way you want to approach God, you'll never see His glory. Look at this scripture. Back in the 2 Corinthians verse. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Joined. And then it says, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart. The veil is lifted, and they see. Oh, the veil is lifted. I want to see his glory. I want to share his glory. I want to experience his glory. And I want to reflect his glory. Do you hear that? When I see God's glory and it comes on me, it's not just for me, but I get to reflect it onto you, onto everybody that's not currently in this room. Have you ever looked at the sun in a, in a mirror? You ever had like a mirror and try to look at the reflection of the sun in a mirror? Anybody ever done that? Is this just weird things that little boys do? Thank you, Kim. Kim's like, I've done that. Can you look at the sun in a mirror? No, because it's just as bright as if you were looking at the sun itself. Now, have you ever done one of those experiments where you have like a mirror here and a mirror there and a mirror here and then you look at like the fifth reflection of the sun? You still can't look at it. It's still just as bright as if you were trying to look at the sun itself. Well, we're in a church family setting and when this guy decides to live with a surrendered heart, And he turns to the Lord with an open heart and the veil is lifted and God's glory is shining on him. It gets reflected all the way over here to her. And when she sees the glory of God, she's got a choice. Do I repent or do I put up a veil? And when she turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and you reflect God's glory on her that she reflects over here. And so the whole room is full of light. Somebody had a vision this morning or this afternoon. What time is it? What day is it? I don't know. And they talked about how when we used to first gather and the, they could see in the spirit the whole room full of light. And I'm laughing at our prayer meeting. I'm like, would you guys stop praying my message? Because that's the picture that I had is glory that just keeps getting reflected and bounced off and bounced off and bounced off. And the whole light, the whole room becomes full of light. It doesn't become that way because we came in and they sang the song we liked. He didn't come in because the coffee was great or because we held up a, a, a sign that said God loves you. It came because we came in with surrendered hearts. We stop putting on masks. We stop telling God how he's going to meet with us. And we stop staying at the foot of the mountain. Not realizing that he calls us his friend too. And he wants us on the top of the mountain. Not just Moses. I don't want to wear any masks anymore. I want that when I go out into the world and I pray for people that they see God's glory. And they don't go, who was that guy? I want to go to that guy's church. Yeah, they go, who is this God? Later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul says something very interesting in verse 12, chapter 12. Oh, I gave it to you. Good. He says, my, this is God speaking to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power was made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul is boasting about his weakness. Now it's a little bit of a play of words there, but what he's saying is, I'm taking off the mask. Because God told me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, if you hide your weakness from me, I'll hide my power from you. Because my power, the ingredient that my power needs to be activated in your life is exposed weakness. Isn't that crazy? Well, God, didn't he give me strengths? Didn't he give me spiritual gifts and strengths? Yes. But without a surrendered heart, the strengths will be used to benefit you and not the kingdom. And without the surrendered heart, you leave possible open ground for the enemy to get one little claw in that says, Hey, you spent enough time building his kingdom. It's time to start building yours. Retirement's coming up soon. Kids got to go to college. Why don't you spend a little more time promoting you? And stop worrying about this kingdom stuff so much. But when you live with a surrendered heart, oh man, you reflect his glory. It was only recently, I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, but I was thinking about this verse. And uh, I was in a a prayer ministry session with somebody. I was getting the prayer ministry, which was really cool. And it's something we're going to develop here a prayer ministry that's based on a couple of different things, but it's, it's really based on you being able to hear from God for yourself. And in this time, what the Lord spoke to me is I'm just going, Lord, I, I really don't want to put on a mask anymore. I want to lift it. But sometimes you're not aware of your own weakness. You hear what I'm saying? And by the way, God doesn't expose your weakness so that he can tell you all the bad things you did. But what I heard the father speak to me is he goes, you've got a self-sufficiency issue. And I went, ooh, what? Isn't that a good thing, self-sufficiency, right? He said, no. Because your weakness is, you feel so self-sufficient that you haven't learned to rely on me. And as a result, You might do some crazy things, but you'll never put yourself in a position where you can't determine the outcome. This is the Lord speaking this to me, not a counselor. So you keep living life on this edge of self-sufficiency, and you're afraid to take that step into something where you can't control the outcome. And I went, oof. So you know what I did? I started putting myself in positions where I couldn't control the outcome. <laughs> I start th- in the physical, Justin will laugh at this, I started riding with a faster group, cycling. Because I could beat all the people in this pace and speed, but I knew when I stepped up to this, I could not control the outcome and I was gonna get dropped. It's funny, but I forced myself into situations that I couldn't control. Now I'm dropping most of them too, but that's another, that's <laughs> another story altogether. But when we talk about the spiritual, this is where I want to circle back to what Stephanie was saying. I love hearing the story of what her and Ashley were doing. And little Haven was telling me about stories about people's ears opening up in this place. But I love hearing more that they put themselves in a position that they couldn't control. Cuz that speaks to me. And I want to be in situations where if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed, I might look like an idiot. If I share the love of Jesus with somebody who I've built relationship with, who I'm friends with, they know I'm a pastor, but they don't really know anything about God. And if I share the gospel with them, it might be the ending of our, of our friendship. I'm willing to take that chance. I'm willing to put myself in positions where I can't control the outcome. So here's what I've determined for myself. And I would encourage you to maybe take a shot at this this week too. Because your, your weakness might be different. This is not a, here's the microphone, everybody share your weakness with the church moment. It's before God. But I'll tell you what, if I had an issue that I'm dealing with in my heart, number one, it's going to be her. She's going to hear about it. And then Dave's probably going to hear about it. Or Brent's going to hear about it. Or somebody that I'm just like, hey, I just want you to know that there's an area in my heart that I'm struggling with right now. I feel this anger rising up. And I just, I actually need to, somebody needs to know this. I want somebody to see. Would you, and it's not, would you pray for me? I need your, they'd pray for me. But this is just a confession of my heart. Here's an area in which I'm weak. And I've had lots of you do this with me. And I love it. Because I see God's glory on you when you do. And it gets reflected on me. And what seems like the most vulnerable moment. I've had pastors come to me. And tell me things that would have disqualified them from ministry in the place that they were. They just said, But I can't live with this. And when they do, God's glory gets revealed. And they may not be able to continue serving in the place that they're in, but they leave healed and whole. My encouragement to you today let's light up the room, let's reflect God's glory as we bring to him those places of our heart that he is calling us to expose and reveal to him. Let's let him heal the places that we're trying to hide. And let's stop pretending like everything is okay when it's not. If everything is okay, awesome. But I want to live with this in my heart. I want to encourage you this week. I'm going to give you a to-do. This will be some homework. I want you to pray for somebody who you don't know. This is a simple, it's not super hard. You know, I think the easiest place to do it is the grocery store. Find somebody, it could be somebody that's got a little bit of a limp. It could be somebody that, it has to be somebody you don't know. But I want you to find a way to come up to them and just say, I really believe that God has something for you today. And I know that he loves you. Could I pray for you? And even ask them, is there anything in particular that I could pray for you about? And just pray for them and bless them. And see what God does. One person. Can you do it? One per- Don't go home. Say, honey, Clayton told us to pray for somebody, so I'm going to pray for you. No, no, no. Find somebody. There's a reason why the grocery store... Because there's been times I've sat in the parking lot of my grocery store and I had nothing to buy. Rummy's got more of these stories than I do. And I'm just compelled to go to the grocery store and there's nothing that I know that we need, but I'm finding myself in the store going, I don't know why I'm in the grocery store. And boom, I'll see somebody and God goes pray for them. And I've seen people healed in our grocery store as a result. I'm not asking you to wait for a word of knowledge. I'm not asking you to feel compelled. I'm just saying go to the grocery store and find somebody to pray for. And watch what God does. Because it's a process of exposing that weakness. I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to be one of those people. Stephanie was telling me about how security started tailing them around. The hospital, when they're praying for people in the hospital. And then you have all those feelings of, I'm somebody that security is following. I'm weird. But she just goes, no, it's okay. We're just we're praying for people. Put yourself in a position where you can't control the outcome. And watch what God does. Can I pray for you? Oh, Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that your desire for us is glory, is glory, is glory. You have chosen to share your glory with us. And God, if we reflect your glory, if there's anywhere that we reflect it, it's back to you. It's to you be all the glory and honor and the praise but I know that we reflect it as well to each other. And I pray that as we continue to surrender areas of our hearts that you reveal that we've perhaps hidden from you, as we boast in our weakness to you, that your power is made perfect. What seemed like a weakness to us was strength in seed form. And when you pour your water of your spirit on our weakness, the seed bursts forth in power. I pray for people here tonight who have been riddled with insecurity that when they step into an area where they feel insecure, they bring healing for others who deal with the same issue. Because what was once a weakness has now become power and becomes healing for somebody else. Those who have battled allergies, God, that they would begin to lay hands on others with allergy and see your power made perfect in them and through them for others as well. And I thank you, Lord, that we can see you for who you are. And we speak healing and blessing and salvation over the people here and the people out there that are about to get a heavy dose of some sticky glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.